So I was going to say, um, I've gone through the exams and more or less have graded them, uh, but you'll get them back tomorrow. The, the follow-up to it, to give you sort of, um, it was, uh, I can't say, it. I don't know, because it wasn't harder. You actually did better on the second exam than you did on the first exam as far as raw score. But I'll say it was harder, um, well, basically, I think you guys made fewer uh, um, mathematical mistakes or whatever, um, but then just sort of raw questions, you got more of them, in a sense, wrong or whatever. But that is partially by design. The first half of the exam was sort of more testing your theoretical understanding of what's going on. And so it was, it was sort of pushing you to the limits of, okay, if you see p-value of 0.05, okay, yeah, that means reject the null. But what does that really mean? Uh, and so I was sort of testing just sort of the, the comprehen overall comprehension. And so that was clearly much more difficult because you couldn't just sort of plug in the number and say, here's the right answer. Um, and then the second part of the exam, uh, you guys did really well, which was more just sort of applying. And really, the second part was the GSS uh, output of looking at specific variables and specific relationships. And so you did very well with that. And the first part is understandable. It's just going to be a challenge to kind of wrap your head around what's really going on. So that one thing that, that popped up, I think everyone got it wrong, maybe one, and actually I think one person did get it right, which was, um, which was impressive. Uh, but it, it has to do with the central limit theorem. And, um, and so what, what the central limit theorem, and, but this is sort of central <laughs> to uh, what we're doing and sort of how we move forward with statistics. And it says, for a sufficiently large sample size, the distribution of sample statistics, i.e. the sampling distribution for a mean or population, is normally distributed and centered at the value of the population parameter. And so uh, the first question on the exam had a, um, a distribution that was uh, skewed. So I'm going to show you so what I'm talking about. So if you remember. The, the question was similar to this, where you have a sample uh, distribution, which is skewed, right, heavily skewed. And then the question was, what would the um, distribution of, of the sample means look like? What would be the shape and center of it? And so even if you have a sample distribution that's skewed, uh, the distribution of sample means is going to have certain known characteristics. Um, don't feel bad because most all of you sort of saw this and said, oh, it's going to be right skewed and went through it that way. But if you look at it, so let's take a, a sample. Um, so what we're doing, this is the population, and we're going to draw a sample from it. So in a sense, the, the sample from the population, since it's only 25, it is right skewed. And then from this sample, you take a sample mean. And so then what we want to know is ultimately what's this distribution of sample means going to be because this is one sample mean but it's going to vary from sample to sample and so what's the distribution of it going to be and so if we do let's do another one another sample from a skewed population then we get another sample mean and so we see that the sample means are going to vary so like right now the mean is uh, varying around 7.6 in the population mean is 8.08. 8 .8. So if we do 
a thousand of these, we see that the, the distribution of sample means ends up being normally distributed and it's going to be centered more or less around the population mean. So, and that's because of this characteristic, even if you start off with, with a population or a sample that's highly skewed, the distribution of sample statistics is going to be normal. And because it's normal, that's what allows us to use all these formulas. So, just to clarify, clarify that. And then, I think the, the second part was, or not, the related one was, um, what's the, uh, the symbolic notation of it? So, um, basically it's a, so the distribution of sample means is going to be normally distributed centered around the population mean uh, with a spread of sigma over the square root of n. So, so you got it close. You, you're like right at the last minute. She's like, wait, it's something like <laughs> so. But the, the, reason why, and the reason why this was on the exam is because without this, we can't really do, make all the assumptions we make to use the formulas. Um, but again, it's one of those things that you sort of learn, and then it kind of just gets assumed and overlooked, and you forget about what, you know, what is the distribution like. And it is kind of confusing because you can start off with a very sort of random uh, sample distribution, but then when you take the sample statistics, it's going to be it's going to be normally distributed. So, uh, and again, I'll get those back to you uh, tomorrow so you can get a sense of what things you got right and didn't, and I'll post solutions as well. So, um, so good news is you guys. Uh, basically have, have all the skills um, for finishing this course. Uh, so we've, we've basically covered all of sort of the, the stuff we need to cover. And so these, these last three days are going to be focused uh, basically on applying, applying it to your final project. And so um, the remainder of the homework assignments will just be making progress on your final project and sort of Put it, pulling it all together. So all the different sort of tests that I've done in part two um, are sort of these scattered pieces and you'll be beginning to pull them all together. And it falls into the category of multiple regression and we'll, we'll get into sort of what that means. But last week we learned about um, simple linear regression and this is moving on to when you have multiple predictors. So everything up until this point is variable x predicting variable y, but now we're going to have multiple variables um, predicting variable y. So and the, the examples I'm going to use are straight from GSS so that you guys can just sort of get a sense for how to pull this together for your final project. Um, and so again, on, on the exam, uh, sort of following from the part two stuff is understanding uh, GSS output. And GSS output is the same as any other computer output, but they all have their own sort of specific notation, and they'll put different pieces in different places or might give you extra information that you don't necessarily need. But I'm going to be walking through sort of how to make sense of the output that you get in GSS. So um, if, we, if we're going to regress, uh, so our, our dependent variable is political views. And our independent variable is age. 
and I've, I've recoded age, and I'll explain to you how I recoded it and maybe why I recoded it. But if you want to know um, the, the beta of age, or the slope of age, it's 0 0.094, it's this first column, B, and it's basically the effect that age has on political views. And political views range from extremely liberal to extremely conservative. Um, and so, so that's kind of from the previous page where you set up, you do a, a multiple regression, and you plug in your dependent variable and your independent variable. And then if you want to know um, the standard error for this, for this slope, it's, it's right next to it. Um, so all these things that, I've, that you've been calculating, sort of figuring out well, what's the standard error of the sample statistic, um, most computer programs will figure that out for you, but you kind of need to know what it is before you can sort of use it, and so that's why we calculated it um, up until this point. Um, and so then the, the test statistic for our sample statistic, T, equals beta age minus beta naught over the standard error of beta. And so it's the same thing where we're basically, with a hypothesis test, we're testing to see if this slope, um, how unusual it would be to get a, a slope of that size um, when the null hypothesis is true. And so, in a sense, beta naught would be zero, because you're basically saying there's no effect, there's, um, age doesn't have any effect on political views. Uh, and this is the formula we use. So it's basically beta age over the standard error of beta. and so if you plug in the numbers, you get where you have in this cell, which is t-statistic. So it's kind of, I mean, basically all the little step-by-step -step calculations that we've done are all sort of nicely presented onto this, onto this output. And so you might say 23.5 is different uh, from 25.5. And the main thing is just due to rounding. It depends where, where you're going to round the numbers off. But um, the thing... And also, if you think about a t-statistic of 23 or 25, where does that fit on the t-distribution? Like, like, if you think about the t-distribution, where would a value of 23 fit on a t-distribution? It'd be way, 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 way over here. Because remember, 2 is usually the, the typical threshold. And so if you have 23, you're like way off the charts. And so, Differing between 23 and 25 actually is not bad because you know, like this is a very, it's very unusual to get a t statistic as extreme as 23. And so then, the way you can also say the the p value for this t statistic is 0 0.000, and so it's functionally zero, like there's a zero percent chance of getting a t-statistic as extreme as 25.5. And so what that's saying is the, the probability of, of beta being greater than zero, um, we, we can reject the null which says that beta equals zero and sort of conclude that we're, we're highly confident that the slope, that the effect of age on political views is greater than zero. So that kind of walks you through some of the things in GSS, and there's, there's more stuff, but we'll, we'll keep walking through. Um, are there any parts on, on this where you're just like, wait, how do, how do you get 
this value or what does this this particular thing mean? Sure. Okay. So um, <clears throat> so with hypothesis tests, you're always testing the null hypothesis. So and it's in the two options are either reject the null or don't reject the null. So that's like the the first thing, and then the um, the strength of evidence for or against the null is determined by the p-value. So if the, the p-value is um, a really low p-value, it says the probability of getting a, a t-statistic or a test statistic as extreme as the one we have when the null hypothesis is true is like, if it's 0%, it's basically saying if the null hypothesis was true, the likelihood of getting a test statistic this extreme is 0 0.0001. It's basically saying it's it's highly unlikely to get a value like this if the null hypothesis is true in a world where the null hypothesis is true. So the decision is to reject the null hypothesis. Like it just the the evidence is pointing so far against yeah. But and so it's it's kind of saying I mean, hypothesis test is setting up a world where the null hypothesis is true, and and oftentimes the world that we set up is saying that age has no effect on political views. And so if we're in that world, what's the likelihood that we would get a value of 0 0.094? Um, and we take 0 0.094 and we, we standardize it into a standardized test test statistics so that we can sort of compare multiple variables on the same sort of standard. So that's, that's a good question. Any other questions just as you guys have been doing sort of some of the analysis that when you when you look up here you're like yeah I see this but I have no idea what it's saying or, or I get confused about it. Okay and then another one I had was uh, intercept. <coughs> And so intercept is, in GSS, they call it the constant, but it's basically right here. And, and the intercept's kind of a, a funny thing because you'll get a test statistic for it and a probability for it. And I haven't even, I mean, I guess there's some situations where it'd be really important, but it's sort of, the intercept is needed to draw the line. You kind of need, need to know where it crosses the y-axis. Um, but you would never do analysis, you wouldn't say that the intercept is significant or that the p-value of the intercept is this. It's just more, it's, it's part of the equation that you come up with. So, but it's important, it's important in knowing where the line, how the line fits. Um, so then the regression equation for this, for this regression would be political views equals 3.763 plus 0.094 times age. And so the effect of, of age on political views is for every one unit increase in age, um, political views shifts um, by 0 0.094 points. So then um, after you sort of run the analysis and you, and you have your significant variables, we're predicting outcomes. And this is stuff that we've already done, but I'm going to walk through it again. We have, we have our regression equation, which sort of is uh, represents the relationship between age and political views. And uh, so I, I recoded age to be in 10-year intervals because it was sort of like, well, you know, what's, what's 
how much does a, a 23 year old differ from a 24 year old like it just it was it was almost too much of a fine grain differentiation so it's more like wanting to look at how do people in their 20s different from their 30s their 40s their 50s and 60s and so so a lot of you will want to do this in your yeah uh so you're like like sending it out like yeah so so yeah now um so right here is sort of how it was actually entered in um but probably the best thing is is each situation is different um and i i put it i think i put a link somewhere on here where it um gives helps for how to recode and i'm going to show you a couple of examples in here so that you can be like oh yeah i need to do that for my variable or even like how mckay uh, reverse coded happy so that it made intuitive sense um, and that's probably what you want to do yeah. with help for just so that when you're analyzing it, well, it just what did you say I didn't I didn't do it on here do you know how to do it do you remember um, yeah kind of you want to walk us through uh, um, can I work on my yeah 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 <laughs> um, but you so the variables are there to serve you like you're not bound to what the variable is but like if, if there's a bet like um some people take income like this the the big income variable and they turn it into a binary variable and they say people above the poverty line and people below the poverty line and just do an analysis like that versus like well i don't really care the difference between someone who's making a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand for my analysis it's people below the poverty line or above the poverty line. Um, so you'll want to sort of make sure your variable reflects what you're analyzing. Or if um, I think maybe it was McKay had a variable called job loss, like what's the likelihood that you'll lose your job in the next year and how that affects happiness. And one of the categories was um, I'm leaving the labor market. And I, it's basically like someone who might be pregnant and she's gonna have a baby, and so she's, the question, are you gonna lose your job in the next year is irrelevant because she's leaving the labor market. So you just sort of drop that, drop that category from your analysis because that doesn't really, her question was, if you think you're gonna lose your job, is that gonna affect your happiness level? And this one group of people that say, well, I'm not even gonna be in the labor market, sort of wouldn't make sense to keep having that category. So do you have a? Yeah. Okay. So can we we'll, we'll create it for um, uh, for Chris? We'll switch help poor. Okay. Do you want? You gotta create variables. Let's see. What, oh, create variables and then recode. Okay. And I'm pretty sure you just name it what you want it to be in that one. Okay. So we're gonna call it help poor one. And this once we do this, Chris, it'll be right. in there. So you don't even have to do it, but you should probably know and make sure that we did it right. <laughs> so help pour one. So the no, so um so like I originally like very happy was three. Uh-huh. I think I think the order I think for his it's one through four. Or yeah, I think you put in the value you want it to be and then the label and then what and bar one you put what it originally was. Oh okay. So that was it goes from government action to Okay. Here we go. 
So it's actually, okay, so, um, so one is sort of most supportive of government action, and five is the least supportive. So a value five, we'd want to call that most supportive. So e each thing that you want to do, you can figure it out in the, in the help, because each scenario is going to be a little bit different. <clears throat> and so you just sort of have to look and see. But basically, I think we can, oh, help 401 already exists. Maybe someone did it for you already. Oh, you did. You beat me to it. <laughs> so let's look at help 401 then. <laughs> OK, good. Yep. So, so that's the idea. I mean, so it's it'll be to your benefit, and it'll show that you're sort of getting it if you recode variables and sort of. I mean, like that would make sense if you did that. And if you didn't do that, it'd be like, okay, this is really confusing. Why'd you keep it in a confusing, you know, form? Because you could easily switch it around. Um, but, and so you really just need to have a reason for doing it. So like when I switched age to 10-year increments, it was just because I was interested in looking at blocks of people. Um, and so like with religion, I think there's 12 or 13 different religious groups that you can be a part of, but some of those groups are such small proportion of the population that you might just want to say, if you're less than 5%, you're put into this other category. Uh huh. Yep. So, would it be could I like label like non-Christian one group? Uh huh. Protestants one and non-Protestants another. Is that? Yeah. Just like focus on Protestants and non-Protestants. Yeah. The um the main thing is is that each category has to be mutually exclusive. Okay. So, non-Protestant would technically have non-Christians. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, you could say non-Protestant Christians or. But yeah. So. Yeah, so if you found an article that said, you know, Jewish people, you know, is all about something about Jewish people, you could also say Jewish and non-Jewish, but use your religion variable to sort of create that. So it's, so we've just been sort of tied to what GSS has, but now as you're doing your own analysis, you can, you can recode it into whatever fits sort of your, your theory and your research question. So good, you got... You figured out how to reverse code, which is a helpful thing. Um, and also, like uh, another thing, um, so like even with political views, it, it's not, it's it's intuitive in the sense that it says it's about political views, but you don't know which direction it is. So you might want, if you're using political views or something like it, you might want to say um, uh, political conservatism. Uh, so that you would know that as value, you, know, you call the variable political conservatism, so that as the values go up, the person's becoming more politically conservative. Because otherwise, right now, you're kind of like, well, what does it mean that the value of political views goes up? It just doesn't, it doesn't make intuitive sense. So, but with predicting outcomes, uh, I'm going to say which, uh, I want to look at the predicted political views of a person in age category one. And so if you notice here, I've, like I said, I recoded age to be in 10-year increments. So it takes, the way it does it, you can see, the recode for age is that it takes um, category one is now people between 18 and 20, 
Category 2 is people between 21 and 30, 31 and 40, and so on. And so I want, when I say I want to know the political views of people in age Category 1, it's basically the political views of people between 18 and 20. Um, so when you plug in here, you don't plug in 18 or 19 or 20, you just plug in the, the, the category value. And so then we see the political views uh, for people between 18 and 20 is 3.857. Um, and so the, uh, the, the important interpretation of this is that it's the mean political view score for people between 18 and 20 years old. So it doesn't mean that everyone between 18 and 20 now has a political view score of 3.857. It's just saying if you look at that subpopulation, the mean political view score is 3.857. And then if I want to compare it to people in the age group of, of 7, which is in their people in their 70s, we have political views uh, score of 4.421. And that's the mean political view score of people uh, between 18 and 20. And what's, do you have a question? Um, you don't have to, you have to like calculate when Independent. Do we have to calculate every single one? Mm. Like, eight, like you do one through eight, do you have to do it for all of them? Uh, no. You mean do we have to predict? Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, the reason why I'm doing this and why you should probably do at least one is um, it puts flesh to it. Okay. It's sort of saying, for example, someone who's in their 20s, here's what they're. So you could do one or two, maybe compare them. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, um, <clears throat> and also so that it's you're you're kind of testing it to make yeah. sure it makes sense. Like, if if uh, if our theory is that people become more conservative as they get older, and I do this analysis and I and it turns out that this number is actually less than, I'm like, wait, is something wrong with my analysis or something wrong with my theory? Um, and so an interesting thing. Or at least when I first was doing this, I was like, "Wait a minute! Like, if if political views, uh, the values range from one to seven, like, um, and I'm doing more or less the most extreme ages, age groups, like you know, the youngest people compared to more or less the oldest people, and they're still all right around the center. Like, uh, I think four is the center, and so it's like, gosh, it doesn't really vary that much." Um, but what this is what this is giving you is is again the mean value, and it's just saying on average, um, younger people are going to have a lower political view score. Um, but it's not like you shouldn't expect to find like a score of like 1.2 on this because that would mean that age is like pulling everything is affecting everything. Um, and we'll walk through sort of more examples to sort of understand what's what's going on. Let's see. Oh, okay, so so exactly what, what Chris was referring to, if we do a comparison of means. So right now, the mean score for people between 18 and 20 is 3.857, and the mean score of people between uh, in, in their 70s is 4.4. So if you remember when we do these um, two-way tables where you have age up here, and, and um, political views across here, you can see the mean score 
for people between 18 and 20 is 3.82. And then the mean score for um, people in their 70s is 4.33. So you, you actually can see this in, in the data. Like when we, it's, this is another way of finding out the same answer. And uh, the overall mean politi political view score is 4.13. And that's right here if you see row total. So there's sort of a, a way you can sort of begin to estimate what's going on just by looking at even this table. And so uh, a conclusion from this is that although age is, is significant, um, the magnitude of its effect on political views is relatively small. So just because it's a significant factor, um, the magnitude, um, it doesn't really shift one's political views a great deal. So, but this is a way to sort of cross-validate. Cross uh, so then uh, a, a thing that we'll be doing as we, as we build the analysis is explaining, what we're wanting to do is explain the variation in outcomes. And so with political views, uh, the values vary from 1 to 7. So if you pull out the, the population, you're going to get a distribution of responses that vary from 1 to 7. And the, the main purpose of, of regression analysis is to explain the variation in outcomes. So I want to know, you know um, why some people have really low political view scores and why some people have very high political view scores. Um, and so I want to I know sort of what causes people's scores to vary um, from, people to, from person to person. And so the question, and this is sort of like if you think about your research question, whatever your um, dependent variable is, it's sort of what causes that dependent variable to vary from person to person. So like if, if it's um, attitudes about homosexuality, there's a, a range of values that people have. And so you kind of want to know well, what things explain the variation across values. And so with this one, we want to know what variables help to explain the variation in political views. Um, and so one variable is age. That's a, a significant variable that um, explains um, some of the variation in political views. It says people's political views vary by age. And so then the, the question that we want to ask when we select one variable is, what proportion of the variation in political views does age explain? So political views has a lot of variation in it. People range from 1 to 7. How, what proportion of the variation in political views does age explain? Like how much of the variation can be explained just purely by looking at the person's age? Using ANOVA, and we won't have to like go through the mechanics of it, but there's a reason, there are multiple reasons why you were at least exposed to ANOVA. And if you look at ANOVA, it's the analysis of variance, and um, it, it basically analyzes how much variation is in your data. And so it says we can calculate an R-squared value for our model. And so I won't show you how it's calculated, but I'll explain what, it, what it's saying. But you have your R-squared value, which is 0.014. And R-squared, the interpretation of it, and this is probably the key thing, is that it's the proportion of variation 
in the dependent variable that the independent variables explain. So another way of um, looking at it or thinking about it is that a person's age explains 1.4% of the variation in political views. Yes? Well, this, sorry. I'm sorry, I just want to ask question. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Will this all go into like the tables, or is this just written out, like you write this out? You do both. Oh, like you put it in the table and then you explain yeah. it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, and yeah, I mean, that's, you, that's like, um, yeah, you want it in both, both forms. Okay. So you want sort of one table that, and, and I'll show you how R squared sort of, how it'll sort of, why it's important um, when you're building your larger model. <clears throat> but um, what this is saying is that political views has lots of variation. Age can explain 1.4% of the variation. So it's it's sort of like if if we know if we know a person's age, we have sort of 1.4% more information about what their political views is going to be. So, but it also indicates that 90 98.6% of the variation in political views remains unexplained. Like we don't know why political views vary. Um, and another interpretation of this is that this model that we have explains 1.4% of the variation in political views. And so then, the let me see if I, what we'll be moving forward with is, right now we just have one independent variable and we want to know, well, what other variables could explain the variation in political views? And so that's why with, with your guys' projects, you have multiple variables that you're going to be putting in to sort of explain your particular outcome. So that's how we transition to multiple regression. Because just to know, just to be able to explain 1.4% of your outcome, there's a lot that's left unknown. But the idea is to sort of get that R squared value up to, I mean, ideally 100%. But really, even if you can explain 30% of the variation in political views, you're doing really good. So um, multiple regression, uh, it extends the simple linear regression to include multiple independent variables. So it's basically just building a bigger model. Um, and it can be, it, the way it's, uh, the regression equation is, is taking our, our simple linear model, which is this, and then just adding more variables. And you can add as many variables as you want to, to your regression, and it says um, multivariate regression models can explain more of the variation in Y. So the reason why you would use multiple regression is because you want to you want to try and find you want to explain the most the greatest amount of the variation in Y, and so you want to put in variables that will help to explain um, the outcome of Y. And then the, the, the coefficient for each independent variable, so beta 1, beta 2, through beta k, um, is the predicted change in y for a one unit change in x um, given the other independent variables in the model. And so we'll see how it isn't just, this isn't the same as taking five simple linear regressions and just adding them together. It's sort of like when you put them all in the same model, they, they affect each other. And so it's just important to kind of know 
how, how this is working, but we'll, we'll walk through examples of this. Uh, and then for um, the p-value for each coefficient indicates whether it is a significant predictor of y given the other independent variables in the model. So in a sense, what we did with simple linear regression, we're doing just with, with multiple variables, but doing it simultaneously. So um, if our goal is to explain political views, we can construct a model that uses multiple variables to predict a person's political views. And so this is where I would go and do my research and figure out what, um, what does sociological or political science theory say affects political views. And I'd come up with a handful of variables um, that, I think that, I'm gonna, that I think are going to affect political views. And so, so my dependent variable is political views, and it's, it's determined by my research questions. So that's sort of like, you know, the first step in this process was, what's your research question? And then that will sort of dictate what your dependent variable is. And then the second is your independent variables, which could be like age, attend, which is um, frequency of attending religious services, race, and so on. And these are determined by sociological theory. So you don't just sort of randomly put, put variables in, but you sort of have informed, theory informs what variables you want to test. And, and a lot of times, after you, when you're doing this research, you're like, there's one particular thing that you think hasn't been addressed or that um, people have missed in explaining political views, and you're going to put in, you're going to add one more variable that you think is significant to explaining political views. Um, but in this case, we're just going to, we're going to have five variables that you think are related. So the way you add variables uh, to the model is so. The way that these are referred to is as, as models. So like model one is this one, which we've done, where you have just political views uh, and age. And so the equation is right here. And then we want to do another model um, where we add one more variable. So we have, we're going to add uh, the variable attend to it. And so some things happen when you, when you go from model one to model two. And the first one is, um, so adding another statistically significant variable to your model um, causes R squared to increase. So let's see. So you have R squared. And we use adjusted R squared um, because it accounts for things in the model that are important to account for. But <laughs> I can explain it to you, but it would be more complicated. But it's just easier to say, go with the adjusted R squared value. But you notice, uh, so R squared for this one is 0.014. So model one explains 1.4% of the variation in political views, whereas our second model is 0.043. And that's saying that this model explains 4.3% of the variation in political views. Um, can someone get, take an attempt at explaining why would model two explain more of the variation in political views than Model 1. Britain? You're taking into account two variables. So what it's saying is that if to, um, to understand the variation in political views, um, both age and religious attendance uh, influences a person's political views. And so you're, by, having, by having knowledge of how often a person attends church, you can 
sort of have a better estimation of what their political views are. And if you think about it, you could keep adding more and more variables so that you could sort of pinpoint, okay, a person who's in their 20s, who never attends church, who makes a certain amount of money, who has this level of education, you're sort of narrowing in on, on a profile of a person where you can make a better and better prediction of what their political views are. And so you're, you're able to explain more and more of the variation uh, in political views. So the, the second thing that happens when you add more variables is uh, the individual effects of each variable, the betas, um, uh, decrease. And so if you look up here, the beta for, um, for age is 0 0.094. But then when you add a tendon, beta, let's see if I did it, yep. So beta drops from 0 0.094 to 0 0.076. And so all of a sudden, age, when you include a tend, age has less of a, uh, a lower effect on political views. Any idea why, why that might be? why that shift would happen. Because wouldn't you think that age would be the same, or the effect of age should be the same regardless of everything else? Brittany? It's, does it change because it's not as effective as attendance? I don't know, like some of the things I was reading, articles would talk about how like, if you just looked at one variable by itself, it would affect it, but like, so like for homosexuality, if you just looked at race, it had uh -huh. effects, but if you put religion into it, the effect of race was completely negated because religion was so much stronger. Okay, yeah, and that's, so that's that's along the lines of it. Um, like, uh, let me see what I put. Okay, yeah. So a way to understand it is because age and religious attendance are correlated, um, they sort of eat into each other's effect on political views. So if you think about it, if we're just looking at a person's age, are they in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, uh, that will have a certain effect on political views. Then if you look at religious attendance, um, do they attend never to like every week? Um, that's going to affect political views. But then a person's age and how often they attend religious services are are correlated as well. As you get older, you tend to re attend religious services more. And so, in a sense, it's, um, it's uh, providing information about the same type of person. So, uh, you, you get less, um, you don't get the, f uh, the full information, uh, let me think of how to put this. When, when you're looking at age and attend together, there's overlap and what they can explain about political views because they sort of, as age goes up, religious attendance goes up. And so that, that trend that you're seeing um, with each of them individually, when combined, it has an overall less effect on political views. I can try and do, uh, there's another example where I can try and um, tease that out more. But kind of the, the important thing is to understand that as you add more variables to the model, the individual effect of each variable is going to most often go down um, because it's sort of because um, you're including more more overall information into the model, which might eat into what age was telling you if you just knew the person's age. 
so again, with, with multiple regression, we want to compare the significance of coefficients. And so uh, the question is, which variable in the model is most significant, um, i.e., which, which effect is least likely to be observed by random chance if the null hypothesis is true? And so just on this model, which, which, which of the two is uh, most significant, age or attend? Or, they, or they, do they have the same, same level of significance? Beta lets you know uh, the, the magnitude of the effect. Okay. So, so that's magnitude. Um, but if we want to know significance, so does that make, like, um, just because something has a big effect, yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean that it has the most significant. It's like, um, these are statistical terms, so that's like uh, significance is purely related to what is the probability that we would get an outcome as extreme as this one if the null hypothesis is true. So R squared is, is a measure for the whole model. I just don't know how to look yeah. at like, the difference between the two. Okay, so, so if we look at age, we have beta, which is telling us the effect that age has on the dependent variable, or with this one, it's the effect that religious attendance has on political views. Um, the the t statistic is is what we what we use when we do the hypothesis test, okay. and that's telling us sort of what the the standardized test statistic is for that variable um, when the null hypothesis is true, and so then the question is how likely would it be to get a test statistic as extreme as 20 if the null hypothesis is true? Um, the p-value says zero. So that, that kind of gives you all the information. But if I want to know which, which of these two variables is more significant, like which one is the one that's least likely to occur um, if the null hypothesis is true? Uh huh. Well, what if we went out, like this only goes out to three decimal places, but if we went out to like 10, uh huh. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, they're both very rare, yeah. But so, a way, a, a quick way to look at it is um, which one has sort of the highest T statistic. So, if it has a really high T statistic, you know it's like, you know, the farthest one out there and the least, least likely. Um, so, but it's important to kind of know which, uh, you know, in a sense, if, if, if you're doing an analysis and you're like, I want to know the, the most significant, you want to know sort of what's going to have the most significant effect. And that's different from magnitude of effect, um, but it's important to differentiate between those two. So uh, the relative significance of variables can be assessed by comparing the value of the t statistic associated with each beta. So when we're thinking significance, it's in this, this realm, the t statistic and probability. And then uh, the t statistic can be compared across variables because it's a standardized test statistic. So if we just looked at, at betas, that wouldn't tell us because it's not, um, you know, age is in increments of 10-year increments and attend is in 
you know, weekly attendance, monthly attendance, and so on. So that's why we look at the standardized test statistics. So you can actually compare, like it's in the same units, um, so you can compare them. And then the second part, which is what Rachel alluded to, was um, which variable in the model has the biggest effect on the dependent variable? So which one's going to sort of move political views the most? <clears throat> The relative effect of variables can be assessed by comparing the value of the standardized beta of each variable. So again, if we want to compare two variables or multiple variables, it's always um, critical to, to be using the standardized values. And so that's where, in this output, this is, where, this is what beta means. So beta is sort of the standardized coefficient. Um, and so it's in it's in units that are comparable. And so if you if you look at this one, which um, which variable has the biggest magnitude of effect on political views? Or which one has bigger? McKay, attend. Okay. So if you're just if you're wanting to compare effect size of coefficients, you look at you look at beta, which is the standardized value of B. And if if you want to know, the way that um, you calculate the standardized beta is just like how we did z-scores. Like you, um, you divide it by, uh, you, you um, divide it by the standard error for this particular, for the, the unstandardized version. So z-score is, is very similar to the standardized beta. So beta can be compared across variables because it's been standardized. So a one standardized unit increase in age will result in a 0 0.096 increase in political views. And similarly, a one unit increase in attend will result in a 0.17 increase in political views. So that, so you can compare which one has the bigger um, effect size on political views. Um, but then a note here is that when you use, or that you should use the value of B not beta when calculating predicted variables. So when you're doing predicted variables, use this value because it's in units that make sense, like 10-year increments or weekly attendance. The standardized beta puts it in units that, you know, it's just like saying I got a, um, a 2100 on SAT. What does that mean? You want to know sort of, I, you want to know the specific units for it. So. When you're doing predictive values, you always sort of keep it in its original units. And then there's, uh, again, this is model comparison that we're kind of walking through. And so comparing goodness of fit, um, one goal in regression analysis is to find the model that best fits your data. And so you'll, there, you'll see often it says goodness of fit or model fit. And so um, you want to find the model that explains the greatest proportion of variation in your dependent variable. So that's sort of the goal, is we want to be able to explain as much of the variation in, in political views uh, as we can. And so relative model fit can be assessed by comparing each model's adjusted R-squared value. So R-squared is giving you a measure for the entire model. So again, right here, we have age and attend as our independent variables, and it explains 4.3% of the variation in political views. And then if we add this variable south, 
is, is basically comparing people in the South to the rest of the country. And so we see that, that South uh, has a significant effect on political, yeah? Wouldn't it always, like the more variables you add, won't that always? Uh, there, like if, there's, if they're correlated, shouldn't it give you a, like if you add another variable, wouldn't it make sense that the adjusted R2 goes What if it's a non-significant variable? Like the effect is is not significantly different. Well, yeah, well, no, well, because theory, the theory suggested that this variable was significant, but then you find out that it isn't. Okay. But that's that's a good point. That's why we use adjusted R squared. It's a formula that takes into account um, the total number of variables in your model relative to how much it's explaining. So if you, you're right, if you add, if you dumped in a hundred variables. Um, the R squared value would, be, would go up, but the adjusted one would compensate okay. for that and say, well, you're, you're kind of cheating because you're just adding more and more. So that's why we use the adjusted R squared. Um, so, but yeah, by putting in, and, and you'll find it, like as you sort of build your model, like these are just, in a sense, simple examples, but as you build your model, you'll see that, you know, adding this variable, um, doesn't really uh, give me any more information to sort of to for explaining political views. And there's drawbacks to um, putting in too many variables because we had talked about this before, but like degrees of freedom, as you add more variables, your degrees of freedom go down, and so that makes your model less efficient. But so we notice that when we add the variable south, which says um, that people in the South are going to have more, going to have, it's going to have greater, um, stronger political, more conservative political views than people in the not, not in the South. Um, this model explains 4.6% of the variation. So again, we're, we're building a model. Yeah. So you have to do this for every single, every single variable, or just like, you want to do some to show? Uh, well, so you only have one dependent yeah. variable. And so you're going to be building a model with your independent variables. So you will be adding with it, like just only. I mean, only you're saying independent, but you keep adding with adding independent to it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so what you'll want to do is sort of it, like what we've done up to this point is looked at correlation between each of your independent yeah. variables, and so. And that's related to this, but now you're going to sort of do a combined correlate. Like when we put them all together, does the effect change? Um, and it's it's easiest to sort of add one, you know, add a new independent variable each time, so you can kind of make sure you know what's going on. Um, because you'll see, like, um, well, I'm going to give an example where when you add a variable, it causes another variable to wig out. Like it just sort of does something weird. I'm like, wait, why did this happen? Because the previous three models, it was it had pretty consistent behavior. Um, so what we can conclude from this is that model two, this one down here, is a better fitting model than model one. And so, in a sense, in the, at the very end of your final project, you're going to have to say, here's my final model, and here's why I'm selecting this model over another model. Um, and it's mainly because Model 2 explains 4.6% of the variation in values of political views. Uh, the, and so this is sort of explaining why you 
sort of the, the summary statistics for your, for your model. The most significant variable in the model is attend. Uh, the variable that has the largest effect on the values of political views is attend. Sort of is a way to summarize the model that you, that you picked. And you go into more detail, um, sort of like do a predicted value for a particular person who um, you could say a person who's 40 years old uh, attends monthly and lives in the South, you could sort of give a predicted political view score for that person. And then the last thing I'll, I'll cover today is uh, when you have two highly correlated variables, or two highly correlated independent variables. Um, so let's say you're, you're wanting to see the effect of education on political views. And so you see that uh, EDUC, uh, the number of years of schooling, um, has a negative effect on political views. So basically, the more years in school you spend, uh, the, the less politically conservative you're going to become. And so this is the regression for that. Uh, also, if we did a regression for degree, which basically says as the highest degree earned goes up, um, that has a significant negative effect on political views. And so you see it's a, a negative coefficient. And then look what happens if we put educ and degree, if they're put into the same model. We see that educ remains negative, but all of a sudden degree becomes positive. Um, it becomes positive and it also becomes non-significant. And it's basically saying that all the information that was provided about education sort of was captured by this variable, educ. And knowing what their degree is doesn't provide any extra information. It doesn't have a significant effect on political views. Brittany? Which, between those, like, I, I'm having a hard time deciding between those two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, how do you decide? Should so, I see, like, which one affects it the most? Well, so um, a way to think about it, again, is it's, this is when you take off your stats hat and put on your sociology hat, and you're thinking, okay, what is it that I'm really interested in understanding? And say you're a big education advocate, and you say college degree is the most important thing a person can have for being in a liberal democratic society. So you might say, I want to look at the difference between people with a college degree and above and those with below. So you just make that, and so you turn it into a, a binary categorical variable. Or you might say, the more education you get, the better. And you would keep educ, which just says, okay. you know, if you can get 24 years of education, that's even better. So it's okay. sort of thinking through what your argument is. Can you put all of this into like one big Excel spreadsheet, like the last thing you were talking about? Like, I mean, I was, I was thinking about doing like one, one spreadsheet for like the report, like the, like the same would be in like the portion thing that there is, and I was going to do another yeah, so basically your paper should have two figures. One is descriptive statistics, which is basically tells us about all the variables that you're using. And then the second is um, your final model um, that sort of has, you know, because you, you do all these tests and you'll put in education ones and you're like, ah, oh, that's just kind of weird. So let me try degree and you know, so you're sort of fine-tuning it until you find, okay, this is the model that makes most sense. It's the best-fitting model. So, like, so like, some stuff will only have, like, one independent variable because it doesn't make sense or something. I can always have all five of them. 
Well, no, you're only gonna have like um. You're gonna have you'll you'll likely have all five variables in okay. your model, okay. um, even if it turns out to be not significant, because yeah. your theory said this should be if if I want to understand this outcome, I need to have this variable in there, and if it turns out to be not significant, um, that's still important, and you'll want to keep it in there because you'll want to say, hey, listen, this you know this contradicts what the theory suggests. No, no, none. But this is more model building. Okay, so you don't put that. In yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more just sort of you understanding what's going on, and so this is a, a cheap example. Like we know that edu is highly correlated with degree, but like we might find that race and religion are highly correlated, and so then it's like to have both of those in your model doesn't make sense because it they um, they sort of bump up against each other. Um, so degree is no longer significant it's because they're highly correlated. So if you look at the correlation score, it's um, 0.85. So again, this is a, a cheap example because we just know these are correlated, but there's some that you wouldn't expect that end up being. So, so again, uh, tomorrow we'll keep going through this, but um, the assignment is basically going to be um, start building your models and sort of understand what's going on and make some predictions with your variables. So and if you guys have other like specific questions with specific variables, you can ask me.